and welcome to the Pride of Detroit podcast, the POD cast, as we so cleverly call it. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I am the editor-in-chief at Pride of Detroit and your substitute adequate host. Uh, you can follow me at Detroit Online. Uh, with me, we have uh, our, our normal co-host. And, and I say normal in that he's a regular, not that he's a normal person. He is much more than normal that. He's your rock god. He is Ryan Matthews. Back is the mother- at Ryan underscore POD. How we doing, Ryan? Uh, I'm doing pretty normal. I'm doing pretty normal. How are you? <laughs> yes, I would say normal. I would say normal. I mean, l- listen, things things are off to a weird start. It. I'm uncomfortable. I'm in. The, I'm in the hosting chair. I don't know what to do. I, I host our two other podcasts on this on this uh, network of podcasts that we have. But for some reason, this makes me more uncomfortable than the other two. And this I don't know what to you- do about it. This makes you more uncomfortable than being live on the Spotify green room app. Yes, the Spotify locker room green room app <laughs> sponsored by Spotify <laughs> music and presented podcast. by Mountain Dew <laughs> presented by Mountain Dew Baja Blast. <laughs> uh, we're not just going to have a two man show today. We we want to keep the three man balance here and to to tip the scales so that we're evenly balanced. I, I, this is a weird analogy. Mike Payton is here. <laughs> P.O.D. underscore Peyton. Mike, how you doing? Welcome back to the podcast. I, I'm, it's kind of abnormal because because I'm here, but really, I just came on because I want to know if, if there's like a promo code that I can get some some Baja Blast off that locker room, green room thing. We got a promo code for that. Um, We're working on it. All right. <laughs> right. Right. His eyes lit up. I'm not entirely sure why. <laughs> well, j- just once we figure out the app, then we'll maybe we'll figure out whether or not we can uh, offer any promo codes. But we have to figure out the app first. We do. Uh, but those are very fun. Um, might as well throw in a little plug for it at the top here. Those green uh, Spotify green room is the new name of the app. It's the same thing as our locker room apps. If you've been listening to our live Q and A's, we do them every Saturday morning, 1030 AM Eastern, but we're not here to do a live Q and A. We are here to podcast and we have quite a show for you this week. Continuing list cast a little bit later, talking about the top 10 edge defenders in the NFL today. Will any lines make the list? We'll see. We'll see. Uh, But before we do that, we are going to start with a topic as old as time, a topic that I fear as soon as I say the words, half of you are going to skip ahead, which is fine. I'm not going to take it personally, but we're going to tackle this in in a way that I don't think we've talked about before. And that is Calvin Johnson. Uh, Calvin Johnson talked again this week um with uh, our friends over at woodward sports network um obviously he's doing the rounds to plug his marijuana uh, strain and all that sort of stuff but uh as as it always does his relationship with the lions came up and we got a little bit of new information this time and that new information being that the man asked for a trade he said pretty much straight up um after when he was preparing to retire after the 2015 season he says we asked if they would release me or let me go to another team. Quote, they wouldn't. So this this begs a diff- an interesting question because we just dealt with a player who requested a trade out of Detroit. And it, I think it was handled a, a little bit more clean that time around. Um, and I, I, I want to throw this to Mike first because I know you actually have a column running on Pride Detroit uh, on Tuesday about this. So what what are your thoughts on... How, I mean, I guess just the differences in the situation. Why were the Lions able to so cleanly break from Matthew Stafford, yet they bungled everything with Calvin Johnson? And it's interesting because the fan reaction is, is quite different to, to both as well, right? Like, people don't like Calvin Johnson right now, but the the way things ended with Matthew Stafford was as clean as possible, I think. Look, I mean, it's the same exact thing. I don't know why we should dislike Calvin Johnson. I mean, he gave everything to the Lions organization and he wanted to leave. It's the same thing Stafford did. Why do we? Why are we cool with Stafford and we're not cool with Calvin? But that's 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 besides the point. The, I think the big major difference here is you got Bob Quinn dealing with the Calvin Johnson situation, and then you've got Brad Holmes dealing with the uh, the Matthew Stafford situation. I mean, obviously Brad Holmes, he comes in, he's got an idea for a rebuild, the Matthew Stafford trade. Uh, really helped him despite, you know, uh, wanting to keep Stafford at first, like I think any GM would have wanted to. But but Bob Quinn, you know, the smartest guy that ever existed, smartest dude in the room, uh, 
I, I don't know if this was incompetence. Just maybe they tried to hold Calvin back. Uh, uh, they tried to. Uh, what am I trying to say here? They they, they blocked his trade in, in an effort to maybe sway him to stay in Detroit. Yeah. And and I think maybe they that 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 burnt them in the end. Um, I, but I think I don't know if it burnt them more than than what they could have gotten if they would have traded him, considering what you look at, uh, you know, Brandon Cooks brought in twice for two different teams, got a first round pick. Uh, Amari Cooper got a first round pick for Oakland or Las Vegas, rather. Uh, I, I mean, it goes on. Stefan Diggs got multiple picks, four draft picks that the Vikings got for Stefan Diggs. I mean, it, Calvin Johnson is arguably one of the best receivers, top three of all time. He would have netted the Lions a, a, an amazing draft haul uh, and probably a player or two. And I, I just think that they completely screwed up their 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 entire run, their entire future uh, for just to save a couple bucks, it seems. What are your thoughts, Ryan? Well, I think what Mike brings up is interesting in the sense that there are some things that are running parallel in both of these situations. You have two guys, you have Bob Quinn and you have Brad Holmes, who were both first time GMs, just stepping into the chair, just getting into these situations. Now, if if we pull things back a little bit further, this was an article that Jeremy shared with us earlier in the day to kind of refresh our memories. But everybody's favorite Carlos um, came out with an article in November of 2015 of, uh, you know, surrounding the the trade deadline um, in, in that season. And and it was <clears throat> point blank asked to Calvin Johnson, um, you know, do you want to be here? Do you want to stay in Detroit? And he said, I haven't asked for a trade like I, I want to be in Detroit. This is where, you know, I love my teammates. This is where I want to be. This is where I want to win. Now, I completely understand how things can change from that one and seven start that the Lions started with in, in 2015 to where they ended. I mean, actually they kind of like turned their season around. It yeah. was, uh, you know, one of the most impressive things that I think Jim Caldwell maybe did over the course of his tenure here in Detroit um, when it comes to, you know, his coaching resume here. But I, I see so many things parallel between just the situations themselves, but the handlings are completely different. And I don't know if it's, you have to you have to boil it down to Bob Quinn versus Brad Holmes. I don't think that you can even really throw in the whole Rod Wood element to it because Rod Wood is something that has been consistent since then to now as well. So, is it to be to be fair that was Rod Wood's like second month on the job or something? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know maybe maybe he's learned, but at the same time, if he's learned since then. What has has Bob Quinn really just drawn some kind of line in the sand against Calvin Johnson like the entire time he was in Detroit from you know 2016 through you know 2020? He just said, like, no, we're not gonna do this. Because if it wasn't a Bob Quinn thing, then it had to have been a Rod Wood thing. And if it wasn't a Rod Wood thing, then who the hell is to blame for why the Lions bungled this Calvin Johnson situation? Because at the end of the day, you have one superstar who was able to uh, go out on his terms the way that he wanted to uh, mutual <clears throat> mutual agreement where, you know, the Lions got what they wanted. Stafford got what he wanted. Calvin Johnson didn't get what he wanted and he got stuff taken from him, too, on top of that. So. I, I here's the thing with Calvin Johnson, I still can't blame him for the way that he feels. And I know Dave Burkett kind of accelerated things and maybe he pushed on the gas a little bit too hard when he said, you know, things were you know nearing a resolution between the Lions and Calvin Johnson. But I totally get why Calvin Johnson isn't, you know, back into the fold, as, as they're saying. So I'm I don't know. I, I think Bob Quinn was. An adequate GM at best. I just don't understand why you want to puff your chest out and draw that proverbial line in the sand when it comes to a future hall of famer. Yeah, I, 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 exactly. And I think that was, there was a conflict from the start. Calvin goes to Bob Quinn. He asked for a trade. Bob says, no, they block him in effort to try to get him to stay. And, it, and all they really did was just pissed him off. And I think it's the same exact thing that the Packers are about to go through because they're doing the same thing to Aaron Rodgers and, well, Aaron Rodgers might be host of Jeopardy soon. Who knows? I mean, like, it, it's the same type of thing. It's 
You're, you're just pissing off the player in order to try to maintain some sort of control over the situation. And, and it just, it's not working out. It didn't work out and it made things way worse in the end. Jeremy is how much, how much is the Patriot way to blame for this? Like no. in all seriousness. I, yeah. I don't think I would go that far. Um, because the one thing we have to bring up is this, this isn't an apples to apples comparison with, with Stafford and Calvin Johnson. The teams are in two very different places. They retained Jim Caldwell in, in 2016. They, they still thought they could contend and having Calvin Johnson on their team, it's probably the difference between still being in contention for a playoff spot and not being in contention at all for a playoff spot. So I, I think, I think the line's doing whatever they can to, to keep Calvin Johnson made sense at the time. But if he made it clear and and obviously he followed through on that, that, you know, his other he he wasn't playing in Detroit. He was either retiring or or, or getting cut or getting traded um, that then you have to make a move. And and maybe maybe that's it. Maybe they they're playing the Packers game and, and they're they're just they're stubborn. They they thought they would win this this game of chicken and they didn't. Um, and then, I mean, there's also like the financial financial aspect of it, right? Like. Calvin Johnson had just a, f- a few years before it signed a mega extension. That's not going to be an easy, easy contract to move for a guy in his thirties, for a guy who's gone through all the injuries that he has. Certainly. I think there's team, there's a team that's eventually going to pay for it. Like Mike said, like teams shell out for wide receivers and, and some of those wide receivers he named before were on big contracts. Um, but it, it, it's probably not quite as easy of a transaction as I think the Matthew Stafford one was that all being said, yeah, th- I mean, this is this is a, this is stubbornness on the Lions' part. This is this is another sign that they bungled things from the beginning with Calvin Johnson. Once Bob Quinn took over and Rod Wood took over, and and that whole regime um, just kind of, you know, just I, it their inexperience showed off from the get go. And and maybe that's a, another reason to pat Brad Holmes on the back is that he was put into a very unique situation, very tough situation, and handled it like a pro from the beginning. But to me, this is more about just how badly the Lions bungled things with, with Calvin Johnson and, and whether he has a right to be upset still or not. That's, I mean, I don't, that's a topic I don't really, I think we've bled that one to death. But I, I think it is interesting to kind of look back on the decision for the Lions to just drag their feet there and, and, and criticize it because I, I do think they made a mistake. I think if you're a Lions fan, you got to feel a little bit you got to feel a little bit better about your situation right now because the difference here is that you've got Brad Holmes who, and I don't want to say that he was doing 5D chest or whatever, or chest, not chest, 5D chest. I don't, I don't want to say he's the most brilliant man in the world, but like here's a guy who could clearly see ahead that, all right, Matthew Stafford doesn't want to be here, that sucks, but we can probably use him to get a ton of assets versus Bob Quinn who comes from that Patriot way, it's a little bit more like, hey, we're in control of everything. The players don't have the control here. It's all about us. They'll do what we say. And and, and things are just already going smoother uh, with this rebuild. So I, I think fans should feel optimistic about that, at least. Um, I, two things. One, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, but you just look at what the Atlanta Falcons were able to do with Julio Jones. I mean, that's not that's a guy who's on a pretty expensive contract too, and he's he's older than Calvin Johnson, so um, it hasn't been playing well. Yeah, I mean, hasn't been having the kind of seasons that Calvin had towards the end of his you know his career. But I, I think that in and of itself, again, like. A new GM, Terry Fontenot, came in there from the Saints, was able to to make that deal and, and move things along with Julio Jones just fine. So I, I truly believe that there's this element of Bob Quinn coming in here and trying to, you know, run the show the way that he had seen it done before in New England. Um, and then the other thing is just kind of a, you know, just kind of a, a throw it out there question. But like, how much would the narrative change if, Brad Holmes ends up accepting the Carolina deal. And maybe that isn't Matthew Stafford's first choice. He obviously wanted to go to the Rams, but does, does the narrative around Brad Holmes change a little bit? Like, you know, is Matt, obviously Matthew Stafford doesn't go out to the media and like voice how disgruntled he is for getting traded to Carolina because that's the last, that's the last thing that that dude would do. I mean, maybe Kelly would, but, um, Sorry, I have to get all my shots in. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, like, does does that change like who Brad Holmes is to the Lions fan 
face? Like, it, is everything no. so rosy? No, I don't. I don't think it changed. I mean, as long as the Lions get a good return, and they would have with with Carolina, and and like you said, Matthew Stafford would have been fine publicly about it. Maybe maybe we don't get as many love stories about Matthew Stafford and and his head coach like we are currently with, oh, with Sean McVay. God. <laughs> but but yeah, no, I think. I think it would have worked out just fine in in terms of like the public perception, um, but but to go to go back to the Calvin Johnson thing really quick, like I I think w- one of the underrated frustrating parts about this, and Lions fans probably don't care too much about this, is that this means we lost extra years of Calvin Johnson playing football, and that sucks because I. I would have loved to see a 10th season from Calvin Johnson. I would have loved to see him, like, I know he made the Hall of Fame anyways, but I would have loved to see him maybe get in the playoffs, maybe win a playoff game, maybe put to bed some some other records and, and not have an, any sort of conversation about whether his longevity wasn't means he wasn't worthy of a, a first ballot Hall of Famer. And, and I mean, it. I know it's been five, six years now, like, Calvin Johnson was a hell of a lot of fun to watch. He made Lions football fun to watch, even, if, even when there wasn't team success. And knowing that the Lions were, were mainly responsible for not being able to, to get a couple more years out of him is depressing because guess what? Like at, at the time we're like, no, this isn't like the Barry situation at all. Sorry. It is almost completely, almost identically like the Barry Sanders situation 10 years before it. And now maybe it's a good sign of the times that the Lions have finally broke that cycle with Matthew Stafford. But like we have come full circle with the Calvin Johnson thing. We know just about everything except for maybe the Lions point of view of why they didn't trade him, why they didn't cut him at the time. But at this point, it's almost identical to the Barry Sanders situation. And now the Lions like we, we can't we can't fight that narrative as fans that like we ruined the careers of two of the best players, offensive players in NFL history. And that's frustrating. Um, but but like I said, maybe they finally broke the cycle with Matthew Stafford. Well, I, I think the, the one other thing, uh, Jeremy, I think you bring up a great point because he, here's the thing with Calvin Johnson and why it, it totally doesn't upset me that he went from saying, no, I want to be a part of this football team. I like playing with the guys that I'm with. This is that and the other thing. I'm loyal to being a winner here in Detroit in November. And then two months later, he's talking about wanting to get a trade. Calvin Johnson saw the writing on the wall. Like, I mean, he probably, I mean, ask Calvin Johnson if he liked playing for Jim Caldwell, and I bet that he would say yes, okay? With Mayhew coming out, and then with Bob Quinn coming in, I think Calvin Johnson saw the writing on the wall, and he was like, another rebuild? Like, I'm 30. Like, this is a guy who talked about the reason why he retired is because his body was just, like, incapable of sustaining all of the, you know, brutal blunt force trauma that it was taking to it like i mean it totally makes sense i mean calvin johnson is in the right here and the lions were totally in the wrong and they're gonna be in the wrong until they get things figured out and situated and calvin johnson is you know back in the fold and he's doing things like team events and he's you know thumping for the lions you know for as much as we focus on like lying season and gms lying about stuff and coaches lying about stuff we always ignore the players lying yeah like i don't i don't believe that calvin johnson in november of a one and seven season was like yeah i'm gonna stay here i love this town and blah 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 look like calvin loves detroit i have no doubt about it there's reason he keeps coming back to talk to our media and he lives here uh, I mean, he doesn't love the Lions right now, but he loves the city of Detroit, and that's cool. But I think that was lip service uh, in November during the trade deadline. I think he knew that he was going to get out at some point in time. He at least wanted to maybe finish the season with his teammates, who he had been with for so many years. But, yeah, I, I mean, I just have such a hard time believing pro athletes when they say they, they want to be here or they want to stay here. I mean, it was the same exact thing with Ndamukong Sue. He did it all year long. And that he hopped the first ship smoking to uh, Miami. And I mean, it just constantly happens. And uh, I don't know. I, I, Matthew <laughs> Stafford, too. Do you remember a year yeah. ago when like Kelly Stafford posted that Instagram saying like, we yeah. ain't going nowhere. Like, yeah, like we love right. Detroit. Like we want to lift it. Yeah, you're right. Like it's definitely at least and, and maybe with Matthew Stafford, it did change with the regime change. Like like maybe it changed with with Calvin. But um, but yeah, I, I think I think you're definitely onto something there. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, we, it, we should not be expecting these people to tell us the truth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Let me close thing up with a quote from from Calvin Johnson directly on this topic. He says, you know what? 
it sucked that they didn't let me go, but they let Matthew go. But hey, you know, it is what it is. I'm not mad at Matthew. I love Matthew. There it is. I think you can believe that. (laughs) You can definitely believe that. That seems truthful. All right. And with that, we are going to take a, the, a close on the Calvin Johnson era. Hopefully for good. Obviously we'll talk about him a little more when uh, the pro football hall of fame stuff happens, but hopefully uh, some of the drama is out of the way. When we come back though, we're going to bring in some drama, some list cast drama as we list our top 10 edge defenders in the NFL today. So stick with us. We'll be right back on the POD cast. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the POD cast. My name is Jeremy Rissman. I'm filling in for Chris Perfett, who's off doing some Fox Sports net stuff uh, for the radio. Always make sure you tune in to him if you're over there on the West Coast, or he's in syndication as well. Um, I don't I don't know how to look him up, but look him up. Anyways, uh, we are back and we are list casting uh, week two of our list cast summer. Last week we did what? Wide receivers? Yes, sir. We are going to the other side of the ball. Edge defenders, not edge rushers, edge defenders. We're talking about the guys coming off the edges, whether they're defensive ends, outside linebackers. A lot of their job is getting to the quarterback, but that's not all they do. Um, And and just to kind of if this if you're new to list cast what we do is we get all of the pride of detroit staff or at least who wants to participate to make their top 10 list we smush them all together and come together with a uh a collective top 10 list and this is just edge defenders this year 2021 in a vacuum who are the best guys doesn't matter what scheme they're in doesn't matter their surrounding cast who do we think are the top 10 edge defenders this year now, before we get into our list, let's talk about some guys that just barely missed out on the list. Uh, Montez Sweat just missed out, and Ryan voted for him, so maybe we can you can vouch for him in a bit. Chandler Jones missed out. Brian Burns missed out. Uh, Bradley Chubb, Bud Dupree, Trey Flowers, and Daniil Hunter. Uh, what was interesting about our list is our top nine were solid in terms of consensus. 10 through 17, or whatever it was, was just like one or two votes here or there. Uh, there. There wasn't a lot of agreement on who slid into that top 10. None of those guys slept in. Uh, so, uh, but let, let, uh, let's go to Ryan. Why, why Montez Sweat? Or, or maybe you want to make a, an argument for someone else. You also voted for Brian Burns. Yeah, so I, I threw Montez Sweat on there because he, I, what you mentioned at the very top of this segment <clears throat> is the most important thing, Jeremy, edge defenders. And... Montez Sweat is one of those guys who he saw a he saw a nice little bump in his pressures um, from his rookie year to his his sophomore season. He had 32 as a rookie. 
47 um, in 2020, but he, he had an 87 run defense grade last season. Being an edge defender is more than just rushing the passer. So that's something I would like to see Romeo Clara make a bump up and maybe he can make our top 10 list uh, next season. Mike, is there a guy that didn't make the list that you want to stand for before we jump into our top 10? Yeah, I'm the guy who voted for Trey Flowers. And here's why. When it came down to it, when I got to 10, I was really struggling with who to put on the list. And I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. And all the guys that we have, like Montez Sweat and Brian Birds, were all options that I thought about. But what I really, what, what drove me to put Flowers in was I wanted to, I thought about how much does this guy mean to the defense that he plays on? And Trey Flowers is arguably the best defensive player on the entire Detroit Lions team. Can we all agree on that? I think I think that's probably that's probably correct. Just because I said it. Uh, so uh, so and, and, I mean, obviously, if you look at his stat sheet, it, he didn't get home too often. You know, nobody really did in, in Detroit last year. But he, he got a ton of pressures. Uh, he was great against the run you know, in certain spots and he was decent against the pass as well. I, I, I think I, I just came down to, I, I look at it like the NBA MVP, like it should be the best player uh, who, who makes their team better. And even though the Lions defense was the worst ever, uh, they were, they were just a little bit better because of Trey flowers. So that's why I put him on there. And you know, I think it's fair. I think a lot goes to Ryan's point where like, dude is a really, really good run defender. And you know, he's, he has high pass rush upside. The injuries obviously have kind of hurt him the past couple of years here in Detroit, but you're right. Like he's the guy with the biggest upside. He's a guy who I think, I think went perpetually under, uh, underrated, under overlooked perhaps, um, both in Detroit and maybe during his time in new England. But I don't, I, I just, I, I need a little more consistency out of him in general and maybe health for me to, to have him in my top 10. Who I was surprised didn't make the top 10. He was my number 10. Uh, he was also on Hamza's list as well. Is Chandler Jones. Um, I know he's coming off an injury where he only played five games and he only had one sack. But prior to that, we're talking about five straight seasons with at least 10 sacks, including 17 back in 2017, led the league, 19 just two years ago, just in 2019. Um, dude is is a beast out there and he's still i mean i know he's now on the other side of 30 but 31 so like not not at a point where he's he's lost everything and and he's done it in multiple places right like that he he left he left new england and actually still played well that's that's not something that we see at a lot of guys so i don't know i was surprised he wasn't um there, there are i think you know 10 guys worthy of being on this list and and we have them yeah, and I think once once we get started here in our top 10 list, what you're going to see is a, a pattern of guys who play on teams that have productive defenses established around them. Like, right. um, you know, Montez Sweat is a guy who I see why other people left him off his list because, I mean, think about all the other talent. There's Jonathan <laughs> Allen, there's Chase Young, there's, there's a ton of dudes on the defensive line. Or even, you know, Jeremy, your point, Chandler Jones this season, guess who's got on the other side of him? J.J. Watt. I mean, you might see a significant you might see Chandler Jones kind of bounce back, you know, be healthy and and things like that. So and with Mike Trey Flowers, I mean, we keep talking about on every every podcast, it seems like, hey, if there's a bright spot about the Lions defense, it's their front line. So, you know, maybe this is the year where Trey Flowers starts living up to that big contract. Let's move into the guys that actually did make our list. And we're going to start right there in the NFC North. Our number 10 comes from. The Green Bay Packers, the Darius Smith, one of the quote unquote Smith brothers. I will I will spoil it and say Preston Smith does not make this list. Um, he was only he was only on three player or three of our lists this uh, this year. Uh, I was one of them. I actually have Darius Smith as my uh, number seven. So I guess I should be the one that stands for him. Um, but I, I mean, I think he I think he definitely distanced himself as like the best player on that. Packers defense, maybe aside of uh, Jair Alexander, but back to back 12 and a half sack seasons, 13 and a half last year before that. And I don't know, like, I feel like the Packers really found out, found the way to use him, right? Like a lot of it is what you said, Brian, like he's in a good defense, in a good fit. He's got a good surrounding cast, but to me, he they're, they're using him in a way that Baltimore never figured out how to, and he is living up to it. And 
still only 28 years old, even though he's what seven, six, seven years into his career. I, I feel like he's he's just hitting his stride too. Back to back 10 sack seasons is not easy. We're going to see if Romeo Quara can do it. I, I I'd be surprised if he can. Uh, but Zadarius Smith, I think, has been in in terms of pass rush, and I know pass rush isn't the full um, you know the full scale here, but in terms of pass rush. I think you could argue maybe he's been a top five guy in the past two years. Who wants to fight me? I'll wanna... fight you. Yeah, go ahead, Mike. Fight him. Okay. I, I didn't put Zedarius Smith on my on my list at all. Be- and the reason is when I you know, and I don't want I'm not an analytics guy. I'm, I'm really not. But when I look at like PFF, for example, he's not graded much higher than Romeo Quara, like at all, and I think that you you look at Zadarius Smith's uh, stat line, and you see twelve and a half sacks and you and fifty some odd tackles, and you think, well, this guy, he must be a powerhouse. But I think it, to go back to what Ryan said, it's the perfect example. This is a perfect example of a of a decent player on a really good defense and being able to capitalize on what the rest of his team can do for him. So I mean, I just wasn't. I'm just not impressed with Zadarius, especially against the run. Like he's just not not good against the run at all. Um, but he can get home, and 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 that shows up on the stat sheet, and that's what people love to see. But I I, I just don't. Look, he's better than Romeo Quara, but he's not that much better than Romeo Quara. I just don't think he's he should be on this list. It's fair. I, the only counterpoint I would make there, and maybe this is just like. The, the Packers kind of quote line that they always give when, you know, you point to their defense not being able to stop the run. Well, they say, you know, that's kind of by design. Like they don't, they really don't care. They want to get to the quarterback. They want to disrupt the passing game. And if that allows you to get six, seven yards on the ground every now and then, like they're cool with that. And, but, but you're right, like 60.5 PFF grade in, in terms of run defense, that's good for 62nd. So, you know, not nowhere even near average at that point. Yeah. And, the only thing I have to add about Zadarius Smith is, you know, that defensive line, super underrated in terms of their ability to get to the quarterback. You got Kenny Clark in the middle. You got Preston Smith, as already mentioned. People forget about Rashawn Gary's on that team. Like, and he started to kind of emerge last season. Um, I, I think I think you get that perfect storm where you get a good sack season. That's what makes something like Chandler Jones on your list, Jeremy a little bit more impressive for a guy yeah. who's been able to do it consistently that many seasons. Cause I think sacks can be one of those numbers that if you are just a, you know, if you're an above average player on a really good defensive line, maybe you luck yourself into 10 or 11. And then maybe if you go away or that talent goes away, you see your numbers regress, but I'm fine with Zadarius Smith being 10. That's okay. All right. Now we get into our top nine, which, as I said, we're, we're far and away more agreed upon than, than anyone below that. Uh, our number eight, I'm going to say, because we actually have a tie between eight and nine. So we'll, we'll call it number nine, and we'll just start with Demarcus Lawrence. And I want to jump right back to you, Ryan, because you have Demarcus Lawrence as your number four. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Demarcus Lawrence, is he's the real deal, man. I think that he's... I don't know if it's because of his personality and he plays for the Dallas Cowboys, but like you and maybe just the fact that the focus is always on Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott. But like Demarcus Lawrence is so overlooked, so overlooked, so underappreciated, like pass rush is always going to be the thing that everybody jumps to with edge defenders. Um, And he's he's been doing that. And then, you know, he's been putting up sacks, you know, sack numbers each year that are very commendable. But again, it's edge defender. Last year, he had a 90.1 run defense grade over the last um, or or he had a run defense grade of 90.1 over the last four seasons, which makes him just one of seven players of that position to to clear 90. Um, And, you know, it's a guy who can do it all. So that's why I'm so high on Demarcus Lawrence. Yeah, I mean, I think I think when you look at stats, you you tend to get fooled by Demarcus Lawrence and think maybe he's not that good of a player. He hasn't had more than ten sacks since 2018, five sacks in 2019, six and a half last year. But if you look at kind of those pressure stats, you know the 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 disruption stats that aren't necessarily the same as sacks stats. You know, eighth in PFF pass rush grade, tenth uh, in ESPN's pass pass rush win rate with 21 percent there. Um, pressures, he still had 47, which 24th, you know, not, not horrible, not great, but, and then you throw, like you said, a a top tier run defense. That's just a really well-rounded player who can really, a guy that you don't need to ever take off the field, right? Like a lot of these guys might be specialists in terms of pass rush, 
They're going to be their, your third down guys, maybe maybe early down guys. Most of these guys are probably two to three down guys. But but Demarcus Lawrence is, I mean, definitely a dude that you can keep on there forever and and still on the on the right side of thirty as well. All right, let's. Move I think to, he's. Oh, go go oh, ahead. I, was just, I, I think he's so overlooked that I overlooked him and didn't put him on my list. Like. <laughs> I, I think that I should have, uh, kind of looking back on it now. Like, yeah, yeah I mean, he's he's so quiet, you know, but but he's just a guy that goes out and gets the job done. Yeah, he had that one 14 and a half sack season, and 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 we're all just like, this guy's gonna going to consistently be there in the sack numbers, and he he just isn't. But I I, I do think the productivity is, is still there, and I think nine's a good actually spot for him. I think that may have been right around where I had him. So, um. Also eighth, I should say, um, because like I said, there is a tie between the eighth is Shaq Barrett at number eight. Uh, who wants to talk about Shaq Barrett first? Go ahead, Mike. Well, I mean, you got to love the guy. You know, he helped the, the, the Bucks win the Super Bowl. Uh, he was big in that game, too. I mean, he, he had a lot of uh, he was in Pat Mahomes face all day. Um, this dude, you know. He, he, he's 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 badass man i mean i i honestly i don't know enough about him uh other than you know sort of the, some of the stuff that he's done in the super bowl and i'm, I'm sort of scrambling behind here but uh i mean i i have the same issues with him that i have with uh Zedaria smith though like he's not very good against the run um but you know it's a fine player wish I knew more about him so I could look smarter. <laughs> yeah, I well, with Shaq Barrett, I think it was an interesting test case of, like, he is really kind of just average in Denver. He goes to Tampa Bay in 2019, and then he gets 20 sacks. And everybody's like, holy crap, like, nobody saw this coming. Um, which, really impressive. I mean, 20 sacks, 18 hits, 44, you know, hurries total. But last year... I mean, he didn't get 20 sacks. He got 12, and I imagine that has something to do with def- with you know opposing offenses being like, all right, we need a scheme for this guy because he's getting to the quarterback a little bit too easily. 12 sacks, but still had 74 hurries. Like, I mean, Shaq Barrett was still, he was getting after it. And, you know, um, kind of just an average run defender, as Mike mentioned, but um, the reason why he made it on my list, um, and I had him, I believe, yeah, I had him at number eight, which we have him slotted, but like you, I just couldn't keep him off the list because of how good he is as a pass rusher. Yeah. I mean, it, it's hard. It's hard to forget the 26 season. that was just last year. And then you're right. Like I, I, the, the sack numbers weren't as good this year. Um, I think officially there was only eight, um, but PFF might've credited, credited him with more because they, they do that. Um, but in terms of pressures, whether you want to call it hurry's pressures, whatever, PFF's pressure stat first, 77. No one had more than him. That I, I mean, that's that really yeah. that's all you need to say. Like this guy needs to be in your top 10 if, if he if he's literally first in, in pressures and like even his run defense grade six, uh, 66.6, which is 36. That's about average. So I'll take someone that, that can give you average run defense with elite pass rush like that's that's a top tier player that's a guy you need on your team and that's a guy that that i think was instrumental in 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 the the bucks getting a getting a super bowl ring over there oh yeah oh yeah all right moving along here number seven cameron jordan cameron jordan uh let's go to you uh ryan what do you got to say about cameron jordan where was he on your list well Cameron Jordan, I, I believe I had him a little bit higher. Uh, let me double check here. Um, yeah, I had him at six. number six. Yeah, yeah. so uh, just slightly higher. But, you know, <laughs> it, it's weird because I didn't have Chandler Jones on my list, but, like, I just want to give so much credit to dudes who have been doing it for so long because yeah. of that, you know, how finicky these stats can be sometimes um, from year to year when it comes to, you know, being consistently good. As far as guys on this list, like Cameron Jordan, year in, year out, has just been an absolute stud, like, for the past seven seasons. Um, I mean, since 2015, no less than an 82 grade um, from PFF. Um, over the course of that, you know, 10-sack um, season, 15-sack season, 13-sack season, 17-sacks. I mean, the guy just is consistently... Um, up there with you know the the best um, edge defenders and again another guy who he's no um, you know he's 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 not slacking in the run defense department either so um, I big big Cameron Jordan the guy 
Yeah, might- same here. I mean, the dude, the dude is, is he just, he's consistent constantly. I mean, and he's, and he's going to be like, to me, he's going to be like Calais Campbell. Like, he's just going to be a guy that no matter how old he gets, he's just still going to be good and he's still going to be reliable. Obviously, his sack total is down a little bit from, from what it was last year. I think he had 15 last year. He only had like seven or eight this year. But uh, I mean, he's a dude that anytime Saint, or New Orleans comes in town, like you, you, you worry about him. Like this is the guy that you got to be afraid of that that's going to come after your quarterback, and and uh, and he's good against the run too. I mean, he's just the guy. I, he's a guy I would love to have in Detroit. Yeah, Cam Cam didn't make my list, but you know, you you both make great arguments. I mean, the dude was fourth in, in run defense last year, so he's he's got that veteran kind of well-roundedness to him. I just think maybe that's where his career trajectory is headed now. Like, I don't know if he's, you know, he's about to turn 32. He might not have the the quickness and, and the athleticism to really pull off some of the pass rush moves that allowed him to have four or five 10 sack seasons in his career. As you mentioned, he dropped to seven and a half last year. The, the efficiency is still there. You know, his pass rush grade is 19th. So it's not like he's a slouch in that department. I just think we're starting to see a little bit of a slide there into maybe being more of a savvy veteran kind of guy who relies more on his smarts than his athleticism and and maybe that's where you see a better run defense um that's why you see his run defense grade kind of going up while while maybe his pass rushing skills are going down so he's probably just off my list but i think you know i'm I, i'm not mad about him being seventh on our list uh the, the one other stat i want to bring to you about Cameron jordan that shows just how reliable he's been uh he is <clears throat> second um, or he's third, trailing only Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald um, in total pressure since 2015 with 428. He he has that consistency that Mike said. Like that that yeah. dude has put together uh, a heck of a resume, and uh, I I wouldn't take that away from him. All right, let's close out our our bottom five here, or I guess a uh, bottom five of a top ten. Don't want to call him bottom five guys. Uh, Nick Bosa is your number six. And Ryan, I feel like I have to go to you here. Nick Bosa was not on your list. Yeah, Nick Bosa was not on my list because I didn't see him last year. Okay. Played two games. And I understand that he had an incredible rookie season. He was um, one of the, I mean, he was one of the reasons why the 49ers had such a awesome defense alongside Eric Armstead and um, everybody's DeForest Buckner. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Always blanking on his name. He went to Indianapolis, Ryan, get it straight. I feel like. Chris Farley right now interviewing Paul McCartney. Um, such an idiot. Uh, but no, I, I'm not an idiot for not having Nick Bosa on my list. I, I think that uh, let me just see something. Let, let me let me let me see something more. I, I I get it. The rookie season, really tough blow. I think he tore his ACL like second game into the season. Um, let me just see it again. And I think that's kind of the problem that his brother had for a while too. You know, so okay. that's, that's where I'm at with Nick Bosa. You're just you're just in approve it mode at this point. Yeah, like he's good. I mean, like he I, I don't feel like I'm going to look like an idiot for not having him in my top 10 if he goes and has like 18 sacks this season, like because I'll just yeah, put him will. on my list. No, I'll put him on my list next year and then I'll be fine. But this is supposed to project. We're projecting for 2021, not not. No, 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 no. Mike Coleman, I idiot. The rules. I, I think that Ryan's doing the same thing that I did with Todd Gurley. Absolutely uh, not. That's such <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> no, I like I, I have some of the same concerns that Ryan does. Uh, he's coming off a torn ACL. How much is that going to affect how he plays? But still, like the guy is super young. Uh, he doesn't have a whole lot of rust on him. Uh, you know, obviously he sat out his last year in college and everything. And uh, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I think he's going to bounce right back. But I guess we'll see. You know, Todd Gurley. Didn't really bounce back. The man had 102 <laughs> pressures his rookie season. 102 pressures his rookie season. No one this year had more than 77. Bro, he uh, bloody no, missed a whole on. year of football. I, I'm not sure if that's right. I think it's 80 pressures. For Nick Bosa? What are you, what are you looking at? PFF? Yeah. I see 102. Whatever. Either way. Either way. Even if you it know, is 80, 80 is a lot. Yeah. Than anyone had this year. Anyone. 
All right, that was twenty nineteen. Five guy. The fact what do you do? What do you do last year? Is 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 politically based? You guys are being leftist. Oh my gosh! Yeah, a little bit. Oh my god! It's Chris. Everybody's Nick, no, dude, Nick Bosa is going to blow things up, and and he might have to because you know that 49ers defense isn't quite what it used to be, and and you know they 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 lost the the best head coaching candidate in this year's cycle. So, <laughs> do you? Uh, so, I'm do, trolling. Do you do you want to make a little friendly bet on week one of the NFL season? Oh God, no, probably not. Yes, yes, no, do I, it. I want to put a bet that would go against a, a good line's performance. Let's bet. You have a to eat a hot dog with shake. mustard <laughs> if Nick Bosa doesn't get more than three pressures against the Detroit Lions. Oh, no, I'm not. No. It's the best offensive line in the league. Why would I do that? That's right. Oh, you stole my joke. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With that, we are going to take a break. When we come back, top five edge defenders that for some reason will not include Nick Bosa, but it might include his brother. Spoiler alert. So stick with us. We'll be right back on the PODcast. And we are back on the POD cast, counting down your top 10 edge defenders for the 2021 season. It's still this cast season, baby. Let's get back into it. Uh, if you need a quick refresher on who our bottom five of the top 10 were, number six, Nick, Bo- Nick Bosa. Number seven, Cameron Jordan. Number eight, Shaq Barrett. Number nine, Demarcus Lawrence. Number 10, Zadarius Smith. And now it's time to break into our top five. Second year player Flashed onto the screen, the scene with seven and a half sacks last season, but looked pretty darn good doing it. The guy that we all wanted to be the Detroit Lions' new premier defender, Chase Young, is our number five. Uh, Mike, talk to us about Chase Young. It's the future of the position. I mean, like flat out, you know, the guy—he's—he's he's an absolute monster, and yes. He broke a lot of people, or a lot of people's hearts were broken when when uh, the the Washington football team took him second overall last year. But this guy, I think, is a guy that we're going to be talking about in that number one, number two spot as early as like next year. Like I I I foresee, you know, I, I think there's going to be a big big boom from this guy this year. Uh, could use a little bit of work in the pass rush area. Surprisingly, he didn't grade out as well as I thought he would. Uh, good against the run. I mean, 76 against the, uh, you know, against the pass. It's not like the worst thing in the world, but like, uh, I think once this guy gets to his, his peak, whenever that is, he is going to be like the most scariest defender in the league. I'm all in on chase young. And because he's one of those guys who does it all. And he was a rookie last season, you know, in all things considered, I mean, how many rookies really struggled over the course of 2020? I mean, you had to look no further than Detroit to see, you know, the the strugglings that that come with just being a rookie in the NFL. And then on top of that, <clears throat> going through the the season with the pandemic and everything, um, there are a lot of things stacked against Chase Young, uh, a lot of expectations because of, you know, the high praise and all the accolades that he earned uh, while playing at Ohio State. But in 87 overall grade, um, 82.8 in run defense. He has room to improve as a pass rusher on by PFF's metrics. And that's the thing that's scary is that because, as Mike says, like the guy is going to put it all together and he's the future of the position. Chase Young might. He might catapult into the top three by the time we do the list next year. Yeah, I don't think I would be surprised. I had him at eight just because I need a little more prove it out of him. Um, you know, I, I don't I'm not doubting the man at all. And, and he's definitely going to be a top 10 guy. Um, but yeah, like like. Uh, like Mike said, I think it was actually a little bit surprising how modest his season was in terms of pass rush, seven and a half sacks, um, 76.5 PFF grade, which is 19th. Um, but he actually, in, in terms of pass rush win rate, he did come in in the top 10. He was seventh. Um, so the, you know, de- depending on what metric you use, uh, 
you know, he certainly wasn't a slouch in the pass rushing game, but if you're expecting a guy to like jump in and immediately be an elite guy, which, you know, we sometimes see with ed- edge defenders. I mean, the Bosa brothers are, are you know, still very young and, and made an impact right away. And it's just one of those positions that you can do it. But like, he's, he's right there. Like he's right there in that conversation. And I just want to see him do it for another year. Essentially. That's, that's really the only reason why he's not in my personal top five, but um, I do think he'll, he'll eventually get there. If not this year, then, then in the very near future. Oh yeah. So let's, for let's sure. move to that number four uh, position, move to another aforementioned Bosa brother. And Joey Bosa comes in at number four. And the interesting thing about our list, and uh, I I can't imagine anyone remembers our list from last year, our top four remained the exact same as it did last year. Uh, But, uh, Ryan, tell tell us what you like about Joey Bosa. Well, so this is the thing that his brother has to overcome, right, is that um, early on, you know, Joey struggled a little bit uh, with injuries, you know, his 2018 season, he missed some time, but bounced back in 2019 with 16 games last year, only played in 12. So it's about that thing of consistency and the best ability is what everybody availability. Thank you. Okay. So now that we've got that out of the way, I think Bosa has proven that like he's going to be more healthy than not. Um, And you, you have a guy who is, I think he's better than his brother personally. Um, And I, I think that Nick has a lot of catching up to do. Um, Joey is just by PFF's metric. Here's the stat form. The only active edge rusher with a pass rush win rate higher than 20% since 2016. And it's sitting at 22% or 22% since entering the league. Like the guy, the guy has all the tools when he starts playing more consistently, the numbers are going to start being mind boggling. And so, you know, you had him, what, seventh on your list or something like that. And I imagine that's simply just injury related, right? Yep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I I look at Joey Bosa and and yeah, injury is literally the only concern. Otherwise, we're talking about top two guy, I think. Like this, you look across the board, you look at whatever statistical website you want to look at for, for pass rushing stats. PFF grade, he was third last year. Pass rush grade, 90.5, second in the NFL. ESPN's pass rush win rate, he was fifth. Pressures, fifth. Run defense, fifth. Or no, first, I'm sorry. Wait, no, fifth, fifth, fifth. PFF's pass rush productivity stat, which goes on a, a, a per down basis, first. The guy is top five across the board in just about any way you look at it. He just needs to stay on the field. Um, and I think that's probably what has him on the outside of the top three, at least in my opinion, because he I mean, he could arguably be number one if if he played a full 16 game season every year. I, I, I don't know if there would be an argument not to have this guy in, in the top two and not two. I got to say, I'm a little I'm impressed by his uh, the way he's sort of gotten better at the run defense. I'm just looking at his his grades here from over his career, and he's gotten better every single year. He went from 63.5 to 69.2, 73.1 and now 83.1. I mean, I think that's just proof that this guy is just going to keep getting better and better. And 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 he's doing, uh, you know, the less sexy thing, which is stopping the run. I mean, everybody wants to look at the pass rushing ability and stuff, but this guy is doing both things, uh, and, and I'm with you, Jeremy and and, and Ryan. If I mean, if he can stay healthy, which he has shown that he has a really hard time doing, um, yeah, he could be the number one guy. All right, let's move into our top three, starting at tied for second because we got another tie on our list. Let's start with Khalil Mack is one of our top two. Guys, uh, Ryan, you had Khalil Mack first, so I'm going to give the floor to you. Why is Khalil Mack to you the best edge defender in the league right now? Um, Well, you you heard me mention earlier that there's only a couple people ahead of um, Cameron Jordan when it comes to pressure since 2015. Um, One of those guys is Aaron Donald. He's not an edge rusher or an edge defender. Um, The other guy is Khalil Mack, and he is an edge defender. And you talk about a guy who is just as good as a pass rusher. And when I say just as good, I mean an all pro pass rusher. He is an all pro run defender. I mean, this guy does absolutely everything. 
Um, last season, he was first um, amongst ed- edge defenders with a 92 uh, run defense grade and a 90.8 pass rush grade. So, I mean, the, the proof is in the pudding. Like, And he's done it so consistently at yeah. such a high level for so long. Like, I mean, there's been two years, according to PFF, his rookie season and his second season in Chicago where he didn't have a an, an overall grade of below 90. Like, Pretty crazy. really good. <clears throat> really, really good. The best, I would say, in the NFL. Yeah, and just to give uh, an idea of, of how good a 90 grade is, there were only three edge defenders last year who had a 90 or better. And Khalil Mack was the one, number one PFF graded edge defender with a 92.3 grade. But I would argue, can we really put someone who got stonewalled by Matt Nelson as your number one edge defender? Slings and arrows, Jeremy. Slings and arrows. <laughs> no. Uh, I just I, watched uh, my entire argument crumble before <laughs> my eyes. <laughs> I obviously say that in jest. Um, he he was my number two, I believe. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I can really add anything that, that you didn't say uh, other than I, I guess my argument against him, my real argument against him was just, is, is again, age. And, and it's probably not fair because he's still only 30. Um, but the, the consistency thing is really what's important to me. And, and yeah, guys had had at least eight and a half sacks for six straight seasons. And, and like you said, he brings it in the run defense as well. He's just a guy you never take off the field. He's a guy you center your defense around and uh, a guy that I will be pleased as, as pie as soon as he gets the hell out of the division. I've got nothing to add. You guys nailed it. Right, well, then let's move to the man who is tied with him uh, at second on our list. And that man is Miles Garrett. I'll let, I'll let you have first word on this one, uh, Mike. Uh, Tell us, tell us where you had Miles Garrett and, and what you like or dislike about his game. I had Miles Garrett at two, and it's mostly because uh, I put him above uh, Khalil Mack. At, I had him at three because of the age. Miles is only 25 years old, but also because he is a, a physical specimen. Like, my God, like, I know that you hate wrestling, Jeremy, but Ryan, if Vince McMahon could get his hands on this guy, right? Like, he, he would be all about it. Uh, uh, like, the dude is just an, he's a jacked monster. I mean, and, and he scares the hell out of me. And now he's going to have Genevieve and Clowney along with him. It's, it's going to be really interesting to see uh, what they can do. I think with the, uh, with the help that Clowney's going to bring, you're going to see an even better Miles Garrett, which who knows how much better he can get. Obviously, he struggles against the run, though, a little bit, which is uh, kind of a concern, I guess. Uh, he only he scored at 76 uh, on PFF against the run, which is, you know, a lot lower than what uh, Khalil got, which was in the 90s. But I just think that uh, you give this time, you give this guy a little bit more time to grow. Uh, you build, you, you know, the defense up around him as they are doing. And he's going to continue to show out uh, either that or he's going to hit you with your helmet. One of those two things. <laughs> to your point, like 9.99 RAS, definitely a, a physical specimen of, of, of which there, there really aren't that many. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, to me, it, it was obvious from his first snap that he was going to be something special. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> three straight... 10-plus sack seasons, despite the fact that he missed two games last year and six the year before it. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that's going to be Ryan's big drawback on, on Miles Garrett, whom he had fifth on his list. Is just the injury concerns? Is that, is that another thing? Um, injuries a little bit more so, just that complete um, complete player that Mike kind of alluded to. Um, yeah. Just kind of an average oh, run defender. And sure. it's not one of those things where it was like, just one year it was like a couple like the past couple of seasons in part due to the injuries i think as well so maybe those are kind of taking a toll because his one fully healthy season he did score above an 80 uh, as a run defender so um you know i there's no arguing that miles garrett's a top five like edge defender i don't think yeah yeah to me i, I just like as soon as cleveland becomes even even a tad more re- relevant. I know they they just made the playoffs for the first time and, and and all that stuff. I just feel like 
I, I don't know. I feel like for some reason Miles Garrett is still getting slightly overlooked, and I, that's, I mean that's probably not true at all. He's a two-time Pro Bowler in four years, but um, I don't know. I just feel like he's he sometimes can be outside of the conversation of the Bosa's and the Khalil Max and our number one edge defender of 2021. TJ Watt for the second year in a row is our number one edge defender. Uh, Ryan, let's go back to you. Talk, talk to me about TJ Watt. Yeah. So TJ Watt is really good. Um, Hashtag analysis, right? Like TJ Watt is, I think um, he's every bit the player that Khalil Mack is like, I think that they are um, both, both, you know, elite against the run, but, TJ Watt, I mean, you can't really argue with the stats. I mean, like, if you're talking about a guy who's a pass rusher, leads all defend edge defenders in sacks and quarterback hits since 2019, um, and just short of Shaquille Barrett, who had an insane amount of pressures. Um, but he's, I mean, he's legitimately like one of the top three edge defenders in the NFL. And like He's not three, so I think it's him and Khalil Mack. I think that they're one and two. They're almost interchangeable to me. Um, TJ Watt is just so productive, right? Like, the productivity is what just smacks you in the face when you think about TJ Watt. Yeah, no question. 13 sacks in 2018, 14 and a half in 2019, 15 in 2020. That's yep. ridiculous. That That is a three-year stretch that that is only matched by some of the best to ever do it. And you look at just last season. Led the league in sacks, second in PFF grade among such defenders, third in pass rush, second in run defense. So he's balanced second in overall pressures, according to PFF first in ESPN's pass rush win rate. And then PFS pass pass rush productivity stat second. So like, yeah, you're right. Like there is no arguing that he is outside of the top three and he's probably not three. And to me, he's not two either. I I think he's the clear number one and it, it it's, you know what's frustrating is he went to the Steelers because the Steelers always have good defenders. And he, I mean, he fell what? What was that? Like 22, 23, or 24 or something in the draft? 30. He was 30 in the draft. Yeah. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? How does he get there when everyone was just like, he's a Watt? He's going to be good. Came from Wisconsin. They know what they're doing sometimes. It's ridiculous. Uh, I'm just, I'm just amazed. I mean, the guy, he just took to it like a fish and took to takes to water. Like he was just incredible from the jump. Like this is what the Bosa's wish that they could be like, you know, yeah, they have good seasons to start off, but like they don't, they don't step to that next level. TJ Watt stepped to that next level and he's only 26 years old and he should have been defensive player of the year this, this past season, by the way. Like, I mean that, you know, I don't like Aaron Donald, no disrespect, but like TJ Watt, had an incredible season, and he's going to continue to have incredible seasons. Like, I, I think that this guy's a Hall of Famer. Like, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and declare it right here and now. I think that T.J. Watt is T.J. and J.J. are both Hall of Famers. J.J., no question. T.J.'s, TJ's got some work to do, but he's certainly well on his way. And there's and- another Watt, too, but, like, I don't know who he is. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're doesn't surprise me that they're a breeding bunch over there. Um, I don't know what that means. Anyways, let me recap our <laughs> edge defenders list. Starting at the bottom, 10, Zadaria Smith, 9, Demarcus Lawrence, 8, Shaq Barrett, 7, Cameron Jordan, 6, Nick Bosa, 5, Chase Young, 4, Joey Bosa. Tied for second is Miles Garrett and Khalil Mack. And our number one edge defender for the second year in a row is TJ Watt. And that is our list cast. We did it, guys. Yeah, we did it. Two down. Two down. Four more to go. Next week, running backs. That's going to be an interesting one. I'm very excited to see uh, who we have at running backs because that, that, like, edge defenders, eight of the ten that we had on last year's list stayed on the list. Running backs is a much more volatile position, so I have to imagine we'll see some movement. And so make sure you're with us next time for that. We'll be live here on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. Monday night, um, probably around 6 p.m., but it might uh, change a little bit, so make sure you're following us on Twitter for announcements for that. Um, For Mike, for Ryan, I'm Jeremy. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll see you next week. It's chaos. Be kind.
first thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on Home mom? <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. 